Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And now for our more grateful podcast. Welcome, listener. You have come of your own free will to the appointed place. Ross, James, and their companions have ventured beyond this scepted isle to find the hidden, the wicked, and the truly horrific. The film is over. The review begins. It is time to keep your appointment with the General So, ladies and gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, welcome to the fourth episode of General Witchfinder's spin-off podcast, Folk in Hell. I'm James in Bournemouth in Southern England. I'm Ross in Dorchester, also in Southern England. Today we are joined by no one. Um, we couldn't get anyone to watch Possum with us, um, but um, you were just going to have to... And that's fine. That's all right. It's, it's just you and me, so it's going to be a little bit more intimate well, well, tonight. It's like old times. Like, um, yeah. probably one person who listens to this may remember that James and I used to have a podcast <laughs> back in... When did we start it, James? Remember that? Oh, been? my God. Oh, my God. Um, well, basically... Oh, oh I mean, hang on, hang on. 20, no, in tw- my late 20s. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd got back from Australia. Yeah. I was not teaching mm, uh, that point, or I was about to maybe. So I'm going to say 27. So I'm yeah. going to say 2007, I'm going to say 2004, 2005 we started it. Yeah. That, yeah. that so feels we had a, right. From between 2004 yeah. and roughly 2014, yeah. James and I had our own podcast, yeah. which we talked uh, about general uh, stuff. I've listened to recently and they ramble on. They're dreadful. And, uh, <laughs> as I often make me as laugh. I often say to people, oh, they're dreadful. <laughs> they're awful. Because, yeah. however, every- people used to listen yeah. to it. <laughs> but that's before we, as we've said before, we were too far ahead of the curve. Like we even yes. our thing of saying, right, okay, when we we used to do them more regularly, we'd say, 
okay so what, what's the news oh that's the week in geek yeah. and then i noticed a few years later i was like the bloody guardian have had that oh the but, Guardian for a while called their cast. I'm like, oh man, we were just so far ahead of that well, curve. I think, but we, anyway, we had anyway. ten times as many listeners um, to that as we had to this. <laughs> people, are, yeah, but people had fewer fewer distractions exactly, back then yeah. in in the heady times no. of, of the the mid noughties You know, uh, you, you know, Netflix. Not every comedian on the planet had several podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was so you know less choice, and I think it was just you know kind of novelty, wasn't it, for people? So uh, so listen in anyway. So yeah. It many ways this is uh, a bit of a creepy with armstrong flashback don't let that put you off no for this episode we mm. watched possum not the demon average story hello possum mother father what's afoot only possum black as soot mother father where to tread far from possum and his head here's a bag now what's inside does he seek or does he hide can you spy him deep within? Little possum, black as sin. Police are widening their search for missing teenager Michael Browning, who disappeared on his way home from school. At Navarre, I recall. Your school won that. There, there, lad. I had no idea. Find him. <laughs> Waking up, is it? to get out. is a 2018 British psychological horror film written and directed by Matthew Holness, who is better known for being the brilliant Garth Marenghi from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. This is his feature film directorial debut, starring Sean Harris and Alan Armstrong, who is, as Ross has noted out here, known for his appearance in the movie Krull, right? It centres on a disgraced children's puppeteer who returns to his childhood home and is forced to confront the abuse and trauma he suffered there. I'm just going to pause here before we continue. Mm. Okay. I just say, I haven't gone too far into the... um into mm. my research on this because I mm-hmm. didn't get any of that. That what that line discuss, discussion about what this is about. I didn't get that from this film at all. I so, the, the one like um uh Alan Armstrong says to him, Oh, you know, I, I heard about what happened with you. Um, you know, disgusting, disgraceful. They said it was it was really traumatic or something like it was traumatic for everybody watching. Yeah. So Or someone like that. So that we, is we, it. We'll come to that. So you know yeah. I just basically say I stopped mm. reading any plot synopsis because it was like, well, that's not the film I fucking watched. So interesting, uh, but we will carry on now. Sorry, in- in- intriguing. Right, okay. Uh, and this uh, possum is an adaptation of Holness's short story of the same name, published in the horror anthology *The New Uncanny*. 
tales of unease, and partially inspired by the theories on the uncanny by Sigmund Freud. Holness forgot about the idea of adapting the story until he'd begun working on developing uh, a possible horror film. As a fan of the horror genre, Holness stated that he much preferred horror films that resonated with the audience and forced them to reflect on the experience afterwards. Possum's visual style was inspired by public information films Holness saw in his youth. Other inspirations include Dead of Night, covered by us in the uh, original amazing, uh, I say amazing, uh, every episode cover uh, of General Witchfinders, uh, George, uh, George Romero's Martin and German Expressionist films. Filming began in Norfolk with additional filming taking place in Great Yarmouth, Great Yarmouth and Suffolk, so the east of England for any of our uh, listeners abroad. The film's score was composed amazingly, I'm saying, mm. by sound effects and experimental ex- electronic music studio, the legendary Radiophonic Workshop, formerly the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, and featured unreleased material by the studio's original member, Delia Derbyshire, she of Doctor Who theme tune fame. I can't believe Ross has not put that in there. <laughs> I can't, right. People listen to this. Everyone knows. knows right, right. So this marked their first soundtrack purposely constructed for a feature film. In addition to garnering multiple awards and nominations, it was generally praised by critics for Harris's performance, the film's atmosphere, score, and unsettling imagery, though the story prompted several negative reviews. So there we have it. So James, Nice. Good summary, mate. Tell nice. me. Um, like yeah, yeah, thank you, ever. Uh, thank you, the editors of Wikipedia. Yeah, that. great. Good uh, job. Yeah. Um, so this is your choice, James. So um, yes, it was. W- how were you aware of this film? Right. Well, the reason why I wanted to do this and I wanted to cover this for a while is that I'm a massive fan. I really, really like Matthew Holness. If you're again, you if you haven't seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It was brilliant. And for me, you know, one of the funniest things that Channel Four did for a while. Um, and was made with such an obvious love of not only poor quality TV from the 1980s, but also of horror as a genre and tying it all back to the Mothership podcast uh, of, you know, one of our first ones, The Rats and sort of like the work of James Herbert, that like overly gory kind of story. And as is always the best way, you know, with scent, um, with things when you're, you know, when you're doing a pastiche, you know, the best and the most effective ones are always done by people who totally understand not only the genre, but, you know what? Uh, you know what? What's the mechanics of these things? Mm-hmm. So when I heard that he was doing a horror film, an actual proper horror film, I was really, really intrigued by that. And I read an interview with him, uh, which I thought sounded very, very interesting when he talked about, um, you know, how he came to be working on this. Uh, but as we may have mentioned before, uh, Paul and Bournemouth down here is an absolute cinema cultural wasteland. It's dreadful. There's no real proper art house cinema beyond the one in our actual art center and when they show things it's always at the weirdest weirdest times so um this kind of came out in that era kind of pre-pandemic and before um everything started going especially independent films started going on to streaming as a matter of course so it was really hard to find or really hard to see Mm. um so i just had in the back of my mind for ages i really want to see this film i really want to see this film um and then when I saw, again, I think I was on holiday at some point, and I saw that it was that the Amazon Prime had acquired it, and it was on Amazon Prime. And I thought, oh, my God, that's given what I know of it, and given that it has does have some folk 
uh, mm. themes to it, and it mm. most definitely does. Yes. We'll be talking about that in a second. I thought, oh, perfect. So I thought I'll keep the powder dry and not watch it until such until Ross forced me to pick a film. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and so there we are. I love the way all my friends tell me I force them to do it. All, all of my things. projects force me to do this. <laughs> me to do this, yeah. correct. Um, and I will say there's only one thing. I love Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. There's only one thing that to this day irks me, right? Is when you see any kind of anything for it, or if anyone does like a little compilation of clips from it on a thing like that, they always show you um, Richard Iwadi saying, I, I said to Garth, I think this has got the potential to be the biggest television event since Quantum Leap, right? Now, he's the same age as us, Ross. Yeah. What year did Quantum Leap come out? Oh, I, I, uh, I don't know. Like 1989, wasn't it? Yeah. And this is a sitcom that's all set in the mid-80s. I was yes. like, come on, Richard Iowardi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was a kid today doing it. Mm-hmm. I'd go, oh, well, that's all right. You know, you're not to remember that. He's the same age as us. Yes, I, I, I forgot it was, it was set in the past. Yeah. And it's the only thing that every time I watch it, I'm like, he should have said something like Airwolf. Yes. Airwolf would have been funnier. But anyway, that's just my slight side eye at Richard Iowardi. I'll let him off because <laughs> the rest of it's so good. But anyway, sorry, I've got that off my chest. We can carry on now. I've tr- I've started watching um, Dark Place several mm. times and I've probably only got about four episodes in each each time and then I sort of... <laughs> It's only about eight episodes long. Six, six episodes. Six episodes. I've practically watched it all then, haven't I? Yeah. I've seen the Scotch Mist. Mist. That's one of the, the later ones. When, um, like, they get terrorised by by a Scottish Mist, uh, which features fo- bagpipe players. Like Fog-esque, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you got it. Oh, we've got to finish the Fog. I can't believe I read, like, 95% of the Fog, and then we, de- <laughs> then we decided not to cover it. Um, oh, oh lordy and I also we, we will get on to possum in a minute people don't worry uh, I also found the school which I think James Herbert uh, yes. uses because it's you know he mentions Andover which is yeah. where my partner Kirsty is from and there is a private school in Andover and I was like how many private schools in Andover is there and she went well I think it's just this one and I was like oh my god this has got to be the place this has got to be the place so we had all sorts of information ready to go on it when we read the the, the, the rats I was mm. I was a little bit surprised how much um, John and James hated it but when they <laughs> and when they shouldn't have been. And when they talked through it and, and maybe realised how, how um, inappropriate it was I was like yeah you're right <laughs> however reading reading the fog I've got to say mm. I put, had to put that down at one point and say wow how on earth did this ever get printed you know yeah. <laughs> there were some actually you know I've got quite a, a dirty weird imagination no. and some, no. of the, some of the stuff in, in the fog it was like where did this come from man? anyway <laughs> that's the fog and one day one day we might end up doing the fog uh, but possibly, okay. um, yes, I thought it started off looking amazing. Yes. I, I just love the look of it. I love that seventies, early eighties, yep, um, uh, feel of it. The, the titles are brilliant, and it, it yes made me want to go away and make some titles like that. It looked very much like is it Scarfolk that that kind of yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as 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 we've said in the introduction, very much kind of children's um not children's information, uh, public information films, things like sort of Ring of Dark Water, it immediately had that vibe. The colours were and so also like yeah, 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 yeah. Um so that opening credit sequence was fantastic. And as we said, the soundtrack fantastically Amazing, yeah. unsettling. It's brilliant as well. Uh, it was worth watching it for the soundtrack. Yeah. And um I can't believe that's you know 
that's the only film score. The uh, I think the uh, Radiophonic Workshop, as it exists now, are people who worked on it in the BBC. Um, so there are some Doctor Who yeah. um, uh, composers and stuff in there. But it's it's amazing. It cool. sounds really good, and I'm really excited mm. to find out that it was released on uh, like a special edition <gasps> vinyl. So I'm going to so get that. Um, now come on, Halloween's coming up, Ross. Mm. That could be one for the for the Cleaver the Halloween, Halloween party. Yep, vibes. Yeah. Um, but I've got to say mm. that I found it. It's always hard to, to sort of criticize mm. them. I find it hard to criticize mm. them because I know it would be really. It's really hard to make a film. It's really hard to, mm. to do anything. Mm. Um, but yep. I, I just felt it just a little bit. Um, amateurish in in in, in it's um just the way it was it was it was trying to put across so i felt like it was um the whole idea of uh that there's something in someone's past and mm. um they're haunted by it and um, they're constantly trying to get over get away get, from get it. away from it. that just felt very amateurish i felt like mm. the 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 at the beginning it was quite effective because um uh, I, I should say I don't think we're going to go for this blow by blow like we normally no because no 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 because no, the no. film is um it's the it's, plot it's very is very thin it's very thin. okay well what I, what I would say is it's very light on dialogue yeah if you think about it um Ross was saying before we started recording here he was like oh I, d- I didn't even realize that bit happened yeah and or what have you and I was like well you know it was kind of like one line of dialogue and, and I would say the dialogue it, was so hard to understand I had subtitles on um, okay. And I hate bits sometimes because I always read it faster yeah. than they say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I found, I don't know if it was the accents or, and also they, they, they did a thing and it made me think a bit of like David Lynch where um, there's a mixture of lines which mean something potentially about the plot, mm. but other lines yes. which are just like red herrings or just like yes. things for like yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. mood. I like, like that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was good. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially... Um, starts off a guy on a on a train, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Felix sort of feelings vibe. Yeah. Well, well, guy, there is, and I won't have. I know we said we're not going to go through this blow by blow, mm-hmm. but this was an actual extraordinary moment in uh, General Witchfinder's uh, history, kind of history, which I very much doubt will ever replicate. I've written. One of the one of the the, the the teenagers in inverted commas who he's looking at on the train. Mm. That's Rowan Gotobed. I taught him. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I spotted him straight away. He's the guy in front. If you watch it again, he's the guy with the curly hair in front. Okay. He is. I should point him out and I should big him up because he's a top lad. Um, I say young Rowan Gotobed. He's he's in his mid twenties now, mm. but he was the young Sirius Black. Oh, okay. In the Harry Potter movies. That was his big thing. And, you know, uh, it was really funny because in true schoolboy way, all his contemporaries used to give him loads of shit about it. Yeah. And we're like, you know, you know, you're in Hufflepuff now. Oy! And things like that. But then when they got into sixth form, they're like, oh, you see, he's brought himself a brand new car with all the money that he's made. <laughs> I was like, you go, Rowan. Well yeah. done, mate. So they all, they all stop there when they realise how much money he's made out of showbiz already. Yeah. But yeah, so he's he's a proper, proper actor. Um, and the other thing that people in this country might remember him for, he was in the Soft Mints ad yeah. where he went, Dad, 
I've got something to tell you. I like soft mints. Uh, and his dad, it was very kind of Mighty Boosh-esque. Right. His dad turned around and went, no! <laughs> and he's got a head that's like an extra strong mint. Right. Let me see, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> I think... I take your word for it. This is, this is a, there is a, a, a gap in British culture when I went away. Mm. Uh, this, this was very recently, Ross. Oh, I don't watch, I don't watch television with adverts. I'm a, I'm a TV snob. I, I only, um, only stream stuff. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no. There he is. Ad. Yes, sir. I know we've always been an extra strong mint family, but. Yes, we are. Proper mints for proper people. Yes. There is. Oh, yes. Maybe there are other mints. I recognise him. Ah. That. I like soft mints. And they like me backing away strong mints. Never could. No! Yeah. Very Boucher's. That. Yeah, 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 right. That ads. That yeah. ad, people. So that's my man. That's, that's Rowan. He's a super nice lad. And he's that. And so it was really weird because that's. I was watching it, as Ross says, it starts off with uh, Sam Harris, who we'll talk about more here in a second, who plays the character of Philip. And he's sat, as Ross says, it's a very strong pedo vibe. <laughs> so he was sat on the train and he's watching one of the, the uh, we see that there's a group of teenage boys. And as someone that has to teach teenage boys a lot, um, my ear is always sharpened for, oh, is that accurate or not? Mm. And one of the first things I thought is, well, it's not that accurate because none of them have got mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Or none of it, but then I suddenly realised uh, this film is purposefully you don't quite know when it's set. Exactly, yeah. Like both the, the police car that you see um, is you know do- doesn't seem to come from any you know it's very generic. Yeah. Um, the train that he arrives on is one of the old slam door trains that yeah. they don't have anymore and things like that. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is supposed to be sort of like the late eighties or mm. you know the eighties or something like that. So I thought, oh yeah, you know, but that's that, that's not bad. That's kind of t-. and then as they get up and walk past, I thought, that's Rowan. Mm-hmm. I know him. I actually taught him. So there you go. That's yeah. my, my big thing that I had to I was like, oh, I've got to talk about this. I actually know someone in one of the films we've covered. I doubt that's ever going to happen again. No. Well who knows? No, yeah. You never know. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, yeah. yeah. So mm. he approaches that boy and then later mm. on through the film, um, there, there's TV reports that, that uh, a boy has gone missing. Gone well, missing. Yeah. Mm. And you're kind of like, well, has he got something to do with it or not? Yes. This guy is also carrying around a very nice leather holder, which I was covered mm-hmm. um, oh, Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, but we keep sort of like seeing glimpses of something coming out of that bag. Of uh, what's inside yeah. it. It's got huge terrifying spidery like legs yeah and um and there's just very small glimpses i think it was most effective when they weren't showing what's not in it but it was like slowly drawing out what 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 was in that bag um they also kept showing okay john if john was here be taking the piss Mm. because i I, probably all the stuff i'm confused by was probably really obvious but they keep showing which looks to me like another time where he's taking that bag into the woods and, and, yes. and placing it in the middle of um, uh, uh, a, sort like of a, a, a rhododendron sort of tree. Yes, uh, yeah, a load of branches, yes. And he's opening it up and there's something in there. Um, yes. That feels like that's a memory. Yes, okay. right. Now, this is, and I think this will be sort of, this will make up the bulk of the episode. Yeah. I know I always bang on, and I'm sorry to both of our listeners, that I'm always banging on about the lighthouse and how much i love the lighthouse Mm. but in many ways to me it felt like a a a thematic cousin to the movie the the lighthouse in fact when you watch that movie that's all about sanity and insanity Mm. and they play with that notion of it's only two people you're on this you know again you know you're miles away for you know there's not many many other people around or or in the story at all um so there's that aspect to it and then as the story develops the lighthouse it's that thing of well has he gone mad and has has robert patterson's character uh winslow has has he gone absolutely insane and as i was watching this i was like wait a minute how much of this is actually happening yeah and how much of it is in his head remembering the past yes that's what i was thinking because the house that he turns up in at the start again very very folk horror mm. it it looks abandoned and I mean, well done all the way through my one note is well done whoever the uh, location sort of scout was for this all the locations were amazing yeah where do you find a house which has been um overgrown like that but they're gonna let you go in there and film um, yeah it, it did have that uh problem i always have in in horror films where if there's a disaster happening in the house, so it looks like the, mm. this house had a firing at some point. That yes. It's, it always seems that like people just leave what furniture's in there. It mm. never gets broken into. It's always just mm. left like that um, so people can go back and just see how it was after that disaster mm. has happened. Um, mm. But it did give me kind of um, Hellraiser-y vibes, that house. Yes. And I was Very wondering. much so, Ross. Very yeah, much so. Yeah. Yep. So... It was it was it was good because you mm. don't often see uh, for British people. I don't think you don't often see realistic depictions of like um, uh, like suburban um, yeah yeah houses. That's what, uh, and, it, yeah. and it gave me like horrible memories of 
growing up in the 80s and stuff it's like uh, yeah that house is i've been in houses like that like where, that, yep. where, the, where the um the the um window frames don't quite fit properly the right. windows are too thin it's gonna be really drafty and also when they went to like the barracks and things like that was like oh yeah been to community centers and looked just like abandoned that. yeah yep. I've, yep. I've hung around on you know yep. in, in old abandoned bloody yep. garages and stuff you know yeah yeah it just it, it just was felt very fantastic real. yeah and that's what i put there's a magnificent feel to this film yeah that all the abandoned houses and the abandoned locations are perfect yeah and that was and that just was how yeah, there was one bit where there's all of these um abandoned garages just all all bashed up and i was thinking yeah surely he didn't write that and then someone went and found it they must have found it and then they must have found, and gone hey that that will work nicely yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. um, um yeah. so that's that's right. So that's terrific. So all the way through, as I was watching it, I was like, am I really seeing what is really happening in inverted commas? Because one of the things of the film, without a doubt, is that Philip, who's you know our, our, the main protagonist of the film, he's constantly trying to throw away this thing, the, the, the possum. Yeah. The, and every time he throws it away, he wakes up and it's back. Yeah. And what, it's there. Whatever it is, you keep seeing a bit more of it, a bit more of it, but yes. it's always coming back. He tries to burn it, he chucks it in yep. the water. Yeah. Um, and it also appears that when he tries, if he just tries to abandon it, he can't get away with it without falling down, yes. being sick or... Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so as, re- as we kind of mentioned at the start, there's an obvious kind of metaphor there for some kind of past trauma. Very obvious it's metaphor. A, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's, it's a trauma tra- for... for for past metaphor and then the other factor into it is it says so when he goes into this house this abandoned house at the start it very much appears as if he's on his own mm. however a scene later on we're introduced to uh as we said uh alan armstrong who's morris mm. and again very strong pedo very strong creepy vibes to him yeah he's always like tell me what happened yeah. Tell me what happened with you and the fox. And, yeah. and, uh, and he's constantly trying to give him these green things. He's like, do you want one? Mm. And he's like, no. And he's like, oh. you know, yeah. kind of. I keep asking there- if he's going to go in the room. Are you going in? Yes. There's one gonna- room he doesn't go into. Yes. Downstairs in the house, he w- will not go into it. And he's like, no, I'm not ready to go in there yet. So there's all of this. So as I was watching it, I thought it would uh, you then also see, as he every now and then he sees a television, and they're reporting on this missing boy, the mm. boy who we saw on the train at the start. He was doing sketches and drawings like he had done when he was younger. Um, you know, he's got you know he's gone missing too, and the feeling that comes across is you feel that he's murdered him, or you know, in the thrall of the possum, he's killed him. I thought at one point it was going to be that the actual possum itself was, was, was made in the Barbara. Yeah. 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 It was going to, was going to be like bodily parts of people that he's killed. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that dark. And, <laughs> it was, and it was something which start was getting on my nerves a bit mm. when I was watching it, where um, what would kind of be like, you'd go through uh, aspects of him opening the bag and a little bit of the thing comes out. Mm. There'd, there'd be a discussion with Morris. Then yeah. there would be something, him going and doing something. And then it would almost like loop back and then you'll have the same thing, but a little bit more. And and it just kept doing that over and over again. But again, each time you find like- a bit more. But then I was like, I just read, um, mm. it talks about the uncanny, the Freud's um, yes. uh, fear of the uncanny. And I mm-hmm. was reading about that before you came on. And mm. one of the things he talks about is um, repetition and, you know, that whole thing of things repeating over and over again, but 
so you feel like things are repeating but then also you feel like they're they're not the same and yes uh, and i can see that's and um, knowing that's what he was trying to achieve actually it, it's it, it it feels more um uh, uh valid to me whereas yeah. to me it was like you're trying as a viewer watching it it was like you're trying to make this film last mm. half an hour longer um yes give it to a feature length because it, yeah it, it yeah. was yeah you, you want it was, it was almost like I'm, I'm ahead of you now you don't need to just do my another yes. little bit of, bit of reveal yeah yeah, yeah. i i do concur I, I do concur does does feel a little over long i do mm. feel right it would be like the most perfect one hour thing yes you you could you can imagine but mm. at the same time the whole german expressionism thing and him being influenced by that yeah you know you can absolutely pick up on those vibes and if you um, got bored the music's amazing so that and yeah, there's that and it, it is absolutely worth watching if nothing else for i said philip who is sure um sean harris is absolutely brilliant mm. it's a super, really fantastic performance mm. and he's someone for whom i find him like a really intriguing actor in that in, like he always looks like he's on the edges of madness mm. the whole time yes and he's someone he was like really underused as the bad guy in one of the mission impossible movies mm. he was in but then rather than kind of like your traditional okay go and be in blockbusters and go kind of uh, he's he's done some other really interesting things mm. he was king arthur in the green knights oh yes yeah, yeah right yeah. and i really loved the i'm one of the few people that i really loved the green knight i was down with that 100 and i thought his king arthur was like the older yeah kind of I, like world weary king arthur yeah. was fantastic and then when i saw him in this i thought oh man he's so good mm. and he really does walk that fine line between first of all you think he's a bit creepy a bit peter and uh, but then also as well like i said like the scene as ross mentions when he tries to get away from the possum and he collapses like how he does like the collapse and then you know waking up from the clap i thought he was great yeah I watching that so- i was thinking oh some actors have to do some fuck you know rolling around in the mud jumping in the you water and it, stuff. i know but i was just yeah. thinking Oh, fucking hell. You, know, you must be thinking sometimes, is this what I'm really doing for a job? Doing? Yeah. <laughs> Especially like just running around abandoned fucking buildings yeah. and like yeah. hiding. And, yeah. But one of the things I thought was great with that because we, sh- this is a spoilerific podcast. Yeah, so go on, go for it. It so, always is. Yeah. So the, um, the thing in the bag is, a, mm. I never realized it was a puppet. He, yes. he says it's a puppet, but I, I, yes. I didn't. Ross missed it. They I do say it. I missed that he was a, a puppet performer. So mm. um, anyway, it looks like like a Geiger sort of body made of. Well, it's, it's it's the body of a spider. Yeah, it's like a giant oversized spider, but with a human head. Yes, but the human head looks very much like him. Or he, it's beca- his face. He yes. becomes more like it as the film yeah. goes on. He gets yeah. paler, and and I was thinking that he. They must be spraying him with glycerin all between every tape because he's getting yeah. sweatier and sweatier. Sweaty. And yeah, and look, yeah. Both those people, all the people in this film look disgusting yeah. and you wouldn't want to be near, <laughs> uh, near any of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So essentially that's what happens. Um, well, well, at the end, yeah. we need to point out that the resolution to all this is that you find out that the room that he refuses to go into in, in this house is the room where his parents died. Yeah. And they died in a fire. Yeah. And obviously there's been some sort of unresolved trauma there. And you then get the feeling that he was then either, he was raised by, you know, kind of up by, by Morris who abused him. Yes. And he calls him Uncle But what I've read, they called him his stepfather. I was thinking, I don't think he was. No. No. I mean, I I didn't get that. Yeah. But yeah. um, And so 
Morris, in the one the one scene that really did make me jump. Well, when he jumps when in he, with the hood yes. on. Yeah, yeah. I shit myself. Yeah, yeah. Just because <laughs> it wasn't really a jump scare movie. It was a unsettle you movie. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they suddenly throw this jump scare in, I did, yeah. I, I, did, I did go like that. But yeah, yes, Morris jumps in when he goes into this room and we basically learn that he used to abuse him when he was a kid. And there's yeah. a really awful scene where he sticks his fingers into his mouth. Yeah, and, and I think the, thing, the spider legs are his fingers, I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very much so. They fight. And he manages to overpower, overpower and kill Morris. And in the, the corner of the room, there is a, a big kind of cabinet, yeah. which is in many ways very similar to the bag that Possum's in. Yeah. 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 And it's rattling around and he kind of throws it. He breaks, um, Philip breaks it open and the missing teenage boy's in there who kind of, he doesn't say anything to him. No, he just runs off. He, he just looks at him and runs away. Yeah. And then we kind of see him in the, we see him, sorry, we see Philip in the garden at the end, kind of yeah. looking at the, 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 like the burnt out possum. Yeah. So whether anything will come of this and then, you know, you can, there's even, uh, or any, did any, that, of it, any of it happen? Ha- exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So it's like, did he actually abduct the teenage boy and was Morris all in his head all along? Yeah. All in his head. And he just let the teenage boy go at the end. Yeah. Or, so I thought that's one way of reading the film. You yeah. say, or that is actually what happened, that Morris abducted him and then he's released him at the end. Either way, or, it is or, or, like a really, All of it was really... in his head when he was on the train. Yeah. 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 You know, there, there's numerous different readings you can you can kind of put into it there. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's essentially it, really. Um, I think yeah. it is one of... I, it's, it's difficult because sometimes when we're doing films for this, mm. I feel like... Actually, you think to yourself, well, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the better I like it. But then after you think, like, yeah. but would I have ever thought about that again if I didn't have yeah. to do a podcast about it? <laughs> and, and would I have turned this off when I was mm. watching it if I wasn't doing a podcast about it? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I, uh, as what often happens with doing these podcasts, but my score has gone up. Um, yes. Having talked to you uh, about it. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, but this is going to be it is it's going to be a short podcast because it yeah. is essentially a, a an exercise in tone and atmosphere. This film, yes, it's, it's, there's no plot really. Well, plot. we we summarised yeah. it pretty quickly, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I would recommend if you're going to mm. if you want something like this, someone being haunted by a, a traumatic event in in the past, and uh, you're a slow reveal of what that actually was. I'd re- I'd recommend mm. that. Um, uh, that Jamie Dyson novel, um, which I talked about in the yeah, past. What, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens now? What happens now? Yeah, yeah. I would say, for me, that was a, a more, uh, even though it's a book, not a film. I think it was a more successful, um, uh, sort of more successful version of that kind of um, idea. Um, and it's a sh- it's a shame. It looks like he hasn't. This guy hasn't done any, um, hasn't done, uh, written or uh, directed any films since. It looks like he's. Uh, well, he takes his time, Matthew Holness, yeah. I think, is. Well, because what he's done, and huh, I've got one of these pre ordered <laughs> from The Simpsons Voice, um, he has done a Garth Marenghi book. Oh, okay. That's coming out for Christmas. Mm. So he's obviously done the, done the director and then been working on, which he's written in character as Garth Marenghi. Yeah. And they did a thing, so he tweeted a thing saying, 
I'm si- if you get it from Forbidden Planet, I'm mm. signing them all. Oh, nice. So I've got, a f- I've got, I've got. If it's signed, one of those coming from Forbidden Planet. <laughs> so that's what. So I think that's what he's working on next right. at the moment. And I think he just kind of really takes his time and chooses his projects yeah. wisely. He, but he interestingly plays the dead father in the the thing. Um, Mitchell and Webb did after Peep Show. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. is quite an. In- it's, it's quite a dark thing that yes and where both those everyone has different memories of what that character yes. is like and yeah i think um uh david mitchell's character's memory of him is actually quite horrific and yes and um oh, what is that program called um is it called family it's not family is it hold, no. on. hold on cut this bit out oh, <laughs> but it's quite it's quite good i need to go back do you, do you find James? I often mm. I, I will end, I will go and watch a few episodes or something, and then mm. something will happen. I completely forget that I was watching it and enjoying it, mm. and then um, so I forgot that I was I was watching that series and never went back to it. Um, it is back. It's called that. That yeah, back back is the sitcom with Mitchell and Webb yeah. where he appears as the father. So. I need, must remember to go back yes. and watch that because I enjoyed that. Right, so James, would you cool. recommend this film, and what score would I you would, give it? I, I would, in my very poncy, quasi-philosophical way, mm. in the fact that as as I was watching it, I was like, "This hasn't rocked my world. This isn't. Oh my god, I need to go out and tell everybody to watch this." Mm. But when we consider Radiophonic Workshop soundtrack, mm-hmm. the look of the film, mm. the cinematography of the film, amazing. Uh, sure, um, Sean Harris's performance, superb. And when we consider, you know, that's what the things that I like about folk horror is that whole notion of the horror, the past is is buried beneath, you know, the horror is buried beneath you the whole time. Mm. I thought it really did use those horror movie tropes of, you know, the abandoned house or the dilapidated house, the, the you know, the, uh, as you said, like the youth center that, or that it was like a military barracks yeah. or whatever they wanted to call it, falling into disrepair. The secret the clearing in the woods. And- yeah, yeah, all of that. So what I put at one point, I put woodlands and creepy suburbia. Yeah. So it is really, really in that sweet spot for folk horror. So if you're interested in folk horror, if you're interested in British folk horror, and if you want to see something a very, uh, you know, what I would describe as an ambitious film that was done on you know, quite a low budget. Mm. And if you've got Amazon Prime as well, it's free. Mm. It's definitely worth watching. So it's a three out of five for me. Well, free. Well, I'm going to give it a free as well. Hey. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Needed yeah. to be 20 minutes shorter, in my yeah. opinion. Cool. Fair enough. Excellent. Well, that was... Uh, All right. That was awesome. So it's my turn to choose our next um, folk and mm-hmm. um, I was, I was battling, James. Mm. I was battling mm. going um, something which is... right Because I thought that, that was quite arty. Do I go something super mainstream? Mm. Or do I go sort of general which find a sort of middle of the road or do i go mm. um obscure so it mm, so I, i'm gonna go down the middle i'm gonna go for uh children of the corn the 1984 Ooh, um okay original uh, so not version. the not the more modern version no the 1984 version of children okay. of the corn right i was gonna go witches of eastwick it's for oh wow that that's not really a horror film no but, it, but it's in the list of um uh, folk horror films from that documentary, which is of Eastwick. Yeah, was. yeah, it's, it's, it was. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, 
Cool. Anyway. Yeah. So until next time. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Folk and Howl. Hopefully we'll be back with um, uh, uh, the regular uh, podcast soon. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, happy day. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs> Farewell. Finders present Folk in Hell, a spin-off podcast. Find more episodes of this and the main show wherever you get your podcasts. Visit generalwitchfinders.com for more details. Commune with us on Twitter at GeneralWitch1 and help support the show on Patreon. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.